This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, and a third hello tonight. It uh, gets three hellos. It gets three hellos because I'm kind of excited about some of the things we're going to talk about. Which I have no idea what they are. No, but you brought one, so I you, you kind of know some of what we're going to talk about. Uh, but I, I feel like, let me say this, uh, we don't have to worry about diversity so much in the Democratic field as of today. Cory Booker no. has decided that polling less than 1% is not sufficient to get him elected as president. Is T-Bone out too? I guess T-Bone, T-Bone is out T-Bone might too. still be in. Apparently there, <laughs> and I didn't know this, there is another black candidate. I can't even remember his name, and I don't think most people knew he was running, but there is a black candidate who will not be on the stage for any debates because he's not polling high enough to, to matter. But he hasn't, uh, he hasn't pulled out yet. Apparently not. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even know he was in, so I keep pulling out stuff. So it's still down to Biden and Sanders and Warren at this point. Well, and, and Judge, Mayor Pete. Possibly. Possibly. But we'll get to that in a second. I wanted to talk, since the last time we recorded, and we didn't touch on this uh, in our last podcast, but I thought I should bring this up uh, because I feel like, the Democrats have been making a lot of hay out of this topic, and, and I really want us to discuss it and see where we fall on this. So let me play this. So I was told by one of our listeners, play the whole sound clip because they want to hear the whole thing. So I played what I, it wasn't the whole song, but I played that. Uh, so what am I talking about? It's, Gee, I, I, I uh, don't know, Chad. Is what it could it be? General Soleimani, possibly. Um, Shouldn't you have had a more uh, somber and no melancholy No, I, I think I titled this section one down, hundreds to go. Uh, I don't advocate killing people. But some people uh, are better off served not existing on this mortal plane. And he is one of those individuals who, uh, it's funny, I, I heard, I've heard all the Democrats talk and yammer on and on. He was a bad dude, but we shouldn't have killed him. He was a really bad dude, and he's got blood on his hands, American blood on his hands, but we shouldn't have killed him. Right. You know, Bush didn't, Obama was never, according to Susan Rice, Obama was never presented with any opportunities from the intelligence or military But actually, that's armed. a lie. That's it's Susan Rice. Is, what do is, I expect? Of course. So, but that so we've known this guy existed. We knew where he was for twenty years. He's been fomenting terror in the Middle East, trying to increase Iran's uh, standing in the community. Trump took him out, and guess what? He's dead now. So yes, he won't be killing anybody more. He won't be organizing any more people. Is there somebody to take his place? I guarantee there is. I guarantee somebody's going to take his place. What do you think about what Trump did to Soleimani? Well, I guess we'll talk about the re- well, first questions all, afterwards. But. There's different ways to think about this. So okay. we can think about it from 
a moral perspective. We mm-hmm. can think about it from a legal perspective because the Democrats are raising all manner of preposterous yes. justifications uh, or objections, I should probably say, to why <laughs> this was not allowed. And now they're they're pushing this into- this uh, bill through the House. Uh, you know, the, what is it? The uh, War Powers Resolution. The whole thing is absurd. Well, so t- talk about that for a second. War Powers Resolution. <laughs> Trying to limit the president's ability to conduct conduct foreign policy, foreign policy, right. and and and, and it's it's, pat, it's patently unconstitutional on its face. Meaning, right. if it was ever challenged in court, the president's Article Two powers clearly encompass what he did. Right. And in fact, it's the exact same thing that Barack Obama did. Mm-hmm. Presidents have the authority. Uh, they act like this is a declaration of war. Right. In fact, it was not. And more importantly. If there is a declaration of war, that was declared by Iran 40 years ago, <laughs> yes. has been ongoing. And yes. our troops that are over there are there via congressional authorization. So there isn't even an issue here about, well, Trump is fomenting war. <laughs> he killed it. And by the way, it's also not an assassination yes. in the legal sense because, and by the way, we can talk through this. I've never really fully understood why it's, for instance, okay to send a bunch of drones over uh, to to get somebody, but you can't target and assassinate a, a foreign leader, right? We have this sort of distinction. But regardless of that issue, we the president has the unilateral ability, acting on intelligence gathered by the CIA, acting on advice by his military advisors. If there is a terrorist, and make no mistake, that is exactly who this guy is. You know, you hear all this nonsense about <laughs> he was a general in the... Uh-huh. Uh, like, okay, first of all, <laughs> Iran itself is a terrorist state. Mm-hmm. In my view, they don't even deserve the protections that would normally be afforded to any sovereign nation Correct. under the rules of war, under the Geneva Conventions, because they don't act consistent with any of that within any of that framework they are an outlaw nation a terrorist theocracy they don't pretend to be otherwise so i don't even want to hear any argument that somehow these are legitimate state actors they're not <laughs> they're they are terrorists they yes. they are the leading fomentors exporters and conductors of terrorism in the world mm-hmm. and this was their head terrorist yes. who had thousands of innocent civilians, soldiers, blood on his hands. And I, again, no Christian from a, uh, from the perspective of, we don't rejoice when people are killed, but from the perspective of, was it absolutely moral and just that our government decided this guy needed to go? 100%. So the question becomes, why didn't Bush and or Obama do this before? Because that's what Trump has said. They, they could have done and didn't do it for reasons we don't know. And maybe there was a different political calculus at the time. But well, So, again, this is very fact-specific. You know, you'd have to go back, first of all, so during the Bush administration, because, again, foreign policy is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. It's very complex. There's all manner of considerations. What's the consideration for Trump? Well, number one, which the media has conveniently ignored, Iran has been continuously ramping up the provocations. Mm-hmm. Trump had said, you touch an American, and in this case there's a dead American contractor, mm-hmm. there are going to be consequences. We know that this guy was behind not only the Benghazi attacks, because remember, Iran funnels 
thanks, thanks for the pallets of cash, Barack. We'll get to funnels that. Funnels billions <laughs> to its proxies around the Mideast. Mm-hmm. Hezbollah, Hamas, they support all of this. So this guy's the architect of Benghazi. This guy's also the architect of the recent storming of our embassy in Iraq. He was planning other attacks. And why do we know this? Because he's always planning other attacks. That's, <laughs> that's his job. That's all he's supposed to do, that's, yeah. That's job number one. You had one job, kill Americans. Um, so... I don't know what Bush was confronted with. You know, you'd almost have to frame it as, okay, what's going on at the time? Uh, you don't just willy-nilly say, let's go kill this guy. Well, I, I think in when Bush was president, 2001 to 2009, he'd already destabilized Afghanistan and Iraq. And I think, could that have destabilized Iran? Certainly. Do you, do you want to be responsible for two powers in the Middle East? I think it's it's difficult to say that's a calculus you want to make. Is Iraq more stable now than it was in 2008? It's hard to say. Well, and consider as well, we don't, we have no clue. Nobody has any clue what actionable intelligence mm-hmm. would have existed in terms of when can we strike at this guy? And I'm sure there would have been hesitancy even for this administration to try to target him while he's in Iran. Sure. He wasn't in Iran. No, he, he was, was in thrown Iran. Arrogantly, because he apparently thought not touchable, yes, touchable, <laughs> touchable, uh, into another country for the sole purpose of continuing aggressive terrorist activities against us, and he made a major miscalculation. Now, you can answer your own question as it relates to the Obama administration. <laughs> Why in the world? But he would, loves to drone everybody. He well, loves to drone true. people, so it's hard to believe he and didn't want to drone him. Isn't it interesting that we never heard a squeal of dismay from nope. any of these now, it's World War Three. you need our authority, when, yes. uh, you know, President drone strike. And I, <laughs> yes. I, by the way, I wasn't criticizing Barack Obama for that. No. I don't have a problem with that. No. The people that now have a problem with Trump, however, have a lot of splaining to do because they didn't care either. No, no. Well, I think in when Bush left office, I don't know that the drone technology was quite as advanced as it is today or it was, it was under Obama. I do know that uh, Soleimani was not permitted by U.N. resolution to leave the country of Iran, and yet he did on repeated basis. So the U.N., again, shows that it's a laughable organization with no oh, teeth absolutely. whatsoever. If you didn't know that already, which you should if you listen to the show for five seconds, the U.N. is worthless. Don't don't look at it. Nikki Haley uh, beat on them in 2017 when they were allowing him, this guy to go around. I, I believe this man would have killed more citizens, innocent or otherwise. Of he course would kill he more would citizens, have. Including Americans. Including his own. Including his own and Americans. I don't believe for one second, if you have an opportunity to take out a target, they took out Saddam, they took out a... Osama bin Laden, why? They were both hiding. This guy was blatantly rubbing in your face, here I am. Now, Osama bin Laden was responsible for more deaths, and so was Saddam, probably. But that but doesn't I mean would, don't take I would him also, out. But I would make the argument, and this is something that actually General Petraeus said, this guy, in terms of his geopolitical significance, in terms of his reach, given the fact that Osama bin Laden, yes, is presiding over this disparate, terror network from a cave or wherever yes. he was, yes. okay? This guy is part of the Iranian government. Yes. He has billions of dollars at his disposal. You could, I, would, I would make the argument that he is a far more significant oh, actor yeah. sure. than sure. was at the time Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Far more dangerous, far more capable of inflicting terror and murder mm-hmm. at, at various places around the globe. So he's a bigger fish in my view. He's, he's a, a bigger destabilizing force in the Middle East for sure than 
Obama, uh, what is it? Osama bin Osama. Laden was. Uh, Osama bin Laden killed more people with his actions, his his plans, but I think he wasn't the destabilizing force in the Middle East that Salome was. So to, to me, it, w- it was well worth the effort. And, I, and again, I question why Obama didn't do it, and I can't, I don't well, know. I don't, the I don't question the- it because he would never have done anything to undermine his precious deal with the mullahs. So let me, let me hit that because I think that's something we want to talk about as well. So our friend, Inspector Clouseau, was on uh, CBS yesterday morning mm. talking about, you know, foreign policy because he's a crack Je- expert. Jean Kerry. Yeah, Jean Kerry. I want you to play this. I want to play this clip. And he gets interrupted and he really doesn't answer the question. But listen to the clip. You know that the president's tweet is a lie. And the president tweeted this morning because I am coming on the show and he knew you'd ask me the question or he'd push you in a place where you did ask the question. You and the media, I think, need to call a lie a lie. Hmm. You know Mr. they Secretary, didn't get Secretary, I asked you that question in 2015, dollars. too. No, 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 but let <laughs> me just finish. You know, yes, and I'll, I'll answer that. No, you won't. I was saying clearly some money from the budget of Iran is going to go to the IRGC. It always has. That's no surprise. But the truth is, and, and President Trump, uh, I, I, well, he probably doesn't know this, but the fact is his own Defense Intelligence Agency in 2017 testified to the Congress that very, very little money actually went to the IRGC at all. How would they know that? Most of the money exactly. went to the economy. Went to children's Iran, hospitals. precisely yes. what I said and what we all said. Centrifuges. So the IRGC has never had a problem getting money, Margaret. But the fact is, Donald Trump keeps saying they got $150 billion, a lie. He keeps saying that all of that money went to pay for it. It did not. His own defense intelligence agency says most of the money went for the economy of the country. So, you know, we have to Mm -hmm. stop dealing uh, with questions on Donald Trump's lies and start dealing with the reality (laughs) of what is going on. Turn off, turn off, Inspector Clouseau. I I, I just want to point out, the IRGC, that's the... That's the terrorist arm of Iran. You can call it whatever you want. I don't think the Iranians opened up their books and said, "Well, this is where we allocated sure. funding." Th- so. Again, this is this, this is so. Here's a um, a comparison. This is like saying, "Listen, I know that we gave 150 billion dollars to the mafia, okay? <laughs> but I can tell you, it's a lie when Donald Trump says the mafia is using that to support organized crime." <laughs> We know for a fact that the mafia has allocated a large percentage of that towards pasta, another another significant percentage towards waste management, legitimate waste management activities, and maybe some other things towards hiring accountants for their above-the-board sure. businesses. Sure. So it is a lie, and we need to call it a lie when you say that you're funding the mob. This is asinine. The other question he should have been asked is when he says, well, Iran has no problem getting money. Oh, that's fine. Um, why should we uh, be exactly. the ones that are assisting them to get more? Yeah, that was my point. Why are we? You can say only a small portion of it. If any portion of it might go to this, why would you give it to them? It's to fund their economy. I'm sorry, that's not our job to fund their economy when they you know they're going to sponsor terrorism throughout. And he brings up the intelligence community, saying even Trump's intelligence community said that it was going to the economy. You mean the same intelligence community that said that 
that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, right? And also the Ukraine. And I don't trust the intelligence community. I'm sorry, John Kerry. I don't trust them because I don't believe they they have our best interests at heart right now. They don't seem to be acting that way. So I'm not trusting that. Right. They and this can is tell the, this. this is the same cartoonish man who was also. I can assure you that the. International Atomic Energy uh -huh. Agency has confirmed that Iran... Oh, but wait a minute. They won't actually disclose the military sites and allow you to inspect those? Well, don't worry. No, but they, they, they let us come in the country. They pinky swore that they're not doing sure, any of sure. these things and while they're chanting death to America, death yeah. to the great Satan. Yeah. No, he's a buffoon. Um, <laughs> it isn't a lie because what he understands, and it's incredibly... Uh, as it should be damaging to the Obama administration's legacy, mm -hmm. is that they funneled $150 billion to the world's chief sponsor of terrorism for no apparent reason other than they wanted to grease the skids on their non-treaty, their capitulation, their curling into the fetal position, which, by the way, we knew immediately they were already violating. Well, he did it, say earlier in that interview that... Uh they wanted to get the nuclear part done first, and then they would deal with the terrorist side of things. Right. Because, I don't know when they thought that was going to happen. From, when a, Hillary won, from a position of strength, with sanctions already imposed, with them crawling to the table, what we would really like to do is not require them to make significant concessions. Let's hand them billions in cash and ask them nicely what else they would like us to hand over to them. Well, you did see this week that Iran said they were formally withdrawing from the <laughs> treaty that they've been yes. been not following since the start of the treaty. That's right. They're because no of longer, the United States. They're it's no United longer... Well, it's Trump's fault now. Yes, Trump's See, they, fault. They were in full compliance based uh, yep. on the inspections that we cannot conduct <laughs> of their secret military sites that have yeah. never been checked. I was shocked to say that... They, I, I'm surprised they even said anything. Why even bother? I mean, they just want more money, apparently. If you give us more money, we'll go back to acting like we're going to follow this treaty, which we were never going to follow anyway, well, but we'll act like we will. Here's want. another interesting line of argument you hear from a lot of these uh, savants, including people like Ben Rhodes, who the architect of this brilliant uh, capitulation to Iran, which is, well, you know, you do this, and it's, it's destabilizing. It triggers a response. Now, my, my reaction to that is to say, well, yes, for every action, there is a potentially equal and opposite reaction, but... What exactly is Iran going to do now that they haven't already been doing with impunity for the last four decades? I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. Because I, they have been unstinting yes, yes. in their ongoing efforts to commit acts of terror and murder and genocide all over the globe consistently. So this is going to, like, it's going to be worse, sir? I, what, I don't know. What are you talking about? Well, I think the destabilization, I think, is going to happen when the Mossad gets actual intelligence, not our idiots over there. And they say, hey, they're close. We're going to bomb them now. Right now, right. we're going to bomb them into the Stone Age. Right now. The and other, we're going to go, uh... The other thing here is, again, this is reflective of the, the chasm philosophically between... And some people say, well, Trump doesn't have any, he has no actual foreign policy. It's all just a bunch of, uh, you know. Yes. knee-jerk reactions. Knee okay, yeah. okay, fine. I mean, you That's can what keep, I've heard. You can keep saying that, but let's actually examine what happened. Was there, by the way, Chad, was there a draft? Was there World War III? No. Did, did, Obama, <laughs> did Obama blow up the earth with the Illudium Pew 34 space module? No, but Trump, you mean. Uh, oh, no, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I ran. The Selective Service website crashed the day after yes. this happened because... All the beatnik college students are going, oh, no, I might get drafted. The draft has been out since 73. 
If you actually got an education, you might actually know that. You have to read, men have to register from 18 to 34 for the selective service. That doesn't mean you're drafted because there is no draft. It has to be passed by Congress, which at our pace would never happen. I, I don't understand why they're so you know, scared to death. I want to bring up after at the uranium did you response. Find, did you find the obituaries, by the way? Of? Of the, uh, the competing New York Times obituaries for Soleimani and uh, Sam Weich. Oh, no. I okay, so not. go ahead. Let me just mention this, and you should really, you can find this online. But but this is this is such a perfect representation of the degradation, uh, just the actual malignancy of our media. So in the aftermath of Suleimani's death, untimely passing, uh, which of course the New York Times was none too happy about. Again, part of Donald Trump's genius, getting the Democrats and the mainstream media to take the side of Iran, <laughs> right? Who's worse? Oh, bad orange man, far worse. But it, was, it is such a case study in this ongoing psychosis where the New York Times publishes uh, an obituary for Suleimani. In the first paragraph of that obituary, of course, they use the most anodyne, euphemistic language. They don't, they don't call him a terrorist no. at all. No. It's sort of like, as, just like they call Baghdadi a, an austere religious leader. Mm -hmm. It was a similar kind of thing, right? So yep. it's this... Uh, you know, a general in the honorable Iranian Quds forces or whatever, right? Six hours later, they post an obituary of Sam Weich. Now, for those of you who don't follow football, he was a fairly well-known coach, coached the Bengals for a long time. Th took the Bengals to the... Right. He, the last time the Bengals won a playoff game, he was their coach. And so after <laughs> having this Soviet-style scrubbed obituary of the world's, one of the world's foremost terrorists, which they don't mention at all, the lead sentence, okay, this is a football coach, says, Sam Weich, the longtime coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, known for getting them uh, to the Super Bowl, and also for barring a female reporter from the Bengals' locker room. Mm -hmm. Now... <laughs> If that doesn't encapsulate perfectly mm -hmm. the utter rot that has pervaded our media, you can't write an obituary for and mention, even mention the fact that the man that just died has has murdered thousands of people. That that does not that's not part of the lead. Nope. That's not part of what's key. And meanwhile, a football coach, you find it necessary, a guy who by all accounts, you know upstanding member of the community. Sam White's never done anything to anybody. But you've got to include in literally the first sentence of his obituary the fact that he once barred a female reporter <laughs> from coming into a men's locker room. Yeah, in the this early is, 90s. This is the way that these people view the world. Yeah. Sam White actually gets a more negative obituary than Suleimani. Yes. So there you go. So the Iranians said we'll fight back, and everybody on the Democratic side is going, oh, no, it's World War III. They're going to launch something. So they launched some missiles at a corner of the base that the U.S. and Iraqi forces are staying on. Uh, basically, they, were war they warned ahead of time that they were going to do this, so nobody was actually hurt, but they could save face. In the aftermath of this, they shot down a plane carrying, ironically, half the passengers were Iranian, and a number were Canadian. So today, the president of a Canadian well, And by the company, way, shot down the plane 600 miles away in Iran. Yes. Yes. They thought it was a missile, they claim. And now the media has said, well, this is the inevitable crossfire. Yes, this is it. 
So the CEO of Maple Leaf Foods, could you be more Canadian? Maple Leaf Foods. Michael McCain, two people were killed on the plane. One of his uh, executives' wives and child were killed. And now he's very angry, which I understand. Yeah. He blames Trump. Of course he does. For the plane being shut down because he instigated. I said, so wait a minute, let, let me get this straight. So the Iranians, who are terrorists as a, as a country and foment terrorism throughout the world, shot down a plane in their country, and you're mad at Trump. Of course. Because why? Because, because he's a bad orange man. everything bad in the world is, is because of Trump. That's correct. Uh, that's that's that again, psychosis. Yet another, yet another example of this. Um, it is. It's, it's a level of derangement. Where the people, they, they simply cannot make moral distinctions. And in fact, it's not even that they can't make them. They make moral distinctions that are upside down and perverse. Um, there are many things to criticize Donald Trump about. We say this incessantly. But... If you're in a place where you're literally blaming Donald Trump for a terror state shooting down a plane of innocent people because Donald Trump had the temerity within his authority to to kill, to have our armed forces kill the leading one of the leading terrorists in the world, then then you need to re, sort of reevaluate your perspective on the world. Yes. This needs to stop. We can't let terrorism we can't let bad people just continue to act bad and say well we don't want to touch them because that will be bad for us and you know there's a calculus as you well, said I, think earlier, I, was saying, calculus. I was saying this is the this is a philosophical divide the obama administration believed that the way that you counter terrorism is through supplication mm-hmm. and some uh, flattery and and you know and uh, nuanced uh, <laughs> nuanced diplomacy yeah and what they never seem to grasp, it's sort of the strong horse, weak horse argument, right? This mm-hmm. idea that, well, they like us. Well, you don't, you're, uh, sure, I'm sure all of, the, all of the leaders to whom you've genuflected and decided that we're not, and we have mauve lines that we're not going to cross, right? They love it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're thrilled that Ben Rhodes and you and Hillary Clinton have, are in charge of our foreign policy. Deterrence requires a show of strength. Mm-hmm. Okay? That doesn't mean cowboyism, no, right? That no. doesn't mean unhinged firing missiles around the globe, starting wars. And in- interestingly, all of the things that they continue to say about Trump that he's going to do, he never actually has the courtesy of doing them, <laughs> right? He never does what they say he's going to do. Right. Um, what does Iran... I think it's very telling that in response to this, which Iran would have known would never have occurred under the prior administration, which is one of the reasons that I think Soleimani was prancing around, yeah. understanding that he was... Uh, I'm good. He's good. Nobody's going to hit him. Ah. This is a new administration. And one of the things that they made clear is, you kill an American, there are going to be major consequences. Those guys actually understand that. Mm-hmm. They understand the application of force. They understand, oh... When the country that has vastly more power than we do decides to use it, even in an incremental way, that's bad for us. And we don't really have very many good options other than a bunch of screeching about the great Satan. Do you notice what also is very, very telling, which the media won't report at all? Have you been watching these, uh, these protests? Yes. So first of all, one of the things you have to understand is initially in the day or two after Soleimani was killed, 
the Iranian government basically organized, astroturfed, <laughs> fake protests as if the population was so upset mm -hmm. that their, you know, one of their heroes, heroes of the revolution, Soleimani, was dead. <laughs> that was a complete farce. It was mm -hmm. manufactured. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing now is if you are inside Iran and you're reading the tweets and actually the interviews that are going on there, the population hated Soleimani. Huh, mm -hmm. shocker. He'd only, he'd only killed thousands of Iranians yeah. in support of this totalitarian regime. And did you see the where they had put down the Israeli and the American flag on the ground in the street? Mm -hmm. And they have an aerial shot of this. And, of course, the, the hope was that it was going to be burned and stamped on. The legitimate protesters all walked around. <laughs> That's bad optics, right? That's bad optics for Christian Amanpour oh, yeah. and the rest of the crew over at CNN. So what's... What's very telling is that this has not even been received in Iran the way that the media tells us it's going to be received. Because guess what? People that live under brutal dictatorships don't generally it. are not fond of the people who are in charge. No, they don't love, they don't love being brutalized. And I think it was interesting. And it was kind of a joke, but they said there's more American flags in Tehran than they're on the Democratic National Convention. And that's probably <laughs> that's true. Probably true. And that the Democrats wanted to fly the flag at half mast, but they meant the Iranian flag, not the US flag. Joke, maybe. 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 Well, <laughs> I, I also hear we should address this because there's much indignation when anyone suggests, you know, the Democratic Party seems to have a lot of trouble mm -hmm. um getting on board with, you know, killing the enemies of America. And it is a legitimate question. No, the critique is not all Democrats don't like America, but I think it is legitimate to ask, why is it so hard for your leadership mm -hmm. on what is a very clear moral issue to say unequivocally, for instance, to call things what they are? Yeah. Why is it so difficult? It's very easy to demonize Chick-fil-A, and it's very easy to spew about the alt-right, and that's fine. But when it comes time to say, do you denounce Islamic terrorism? Um, you know, <laughs> I sure. actually, I'll get back to you on that. And <laughs> is it is it an unequivocal good in moral terms that one of the leading mass murderers in the world has now been eliminated and can no longer murder innocent people and American soldiers? Well, but, but not maybe, sure. Uh, not Let sure. me talk to Speaker Pelosi. Have to get the... So people notice... Mm -hmm. That you just seem to have a very difficult time sorting out these these kind of issues. By the way, we also notice that you are very very quick. Anytime Israel does anything, <laughs> oh, this is highly troubling. Mm -hmm. We're very angry. We support UN sanctions. We support uh, proposals at the UN that basically Israelis be treated as war criminals yeah. for occupying area that is their own territory. Since essentially for. Thousands of years, essentially. Yeah. So people notice the moral positions that you take as it relates to pretend evil <laughs> and actual evil. Well, do you think it's more that they want it? The Democrats don't want Trump to get any, make any hay on this, that he's tough on, you know, when a prosecutor runs for office, they say, well, I'm tough on crime. And how hard is it, though? But how perverse is that? How I hard know. is it to make an argument that says, you know what? Amazingly, Donald Trump got this one right. And yeah. we fully support the fact that Soleimani is dead. However, it doesn't stop us from now pointing out the 17,000 other things that we claim make mm -hmm. him a horrendous president. Is that, that really all that difficult, Chad? They can't. They put politics ahead of country. That, that's where I see the difference between Republicans and Democrats at this point. 
the Democrats running for president are putting politics ahead of country whenever that's feasible for them to do so. They're not. They're, they're telling us this impeachment is for us, that not killing a terrorist is for us, and good jobs and having jobs is bad. You want us to go where we raise your taxes and you have less jobs and less opportunities. That's good for you. I mean, the words don't match up with their actions, and I'm really kind of confused why anybody believes what they say is true. But you know what I think is ironic when you say they're putting politics above country, and I agree with that. And look, there's people... Not everybody, this but is, a number of them. This is systemic on both sides. Yes. However, I, I do agree that the uh, the vast majority of that is going on on the left. And and that's because that's actually part of their uh, their worldview. I mean, the, the, it's, it's all the ends justify the means, right? But what's interesting to me is I actually think it would be far more effective politically if they had a single person in their slate of candidates who mm-hmm. would actually say things like, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased as punch that Soleimani is dead. I am too. Good on Donald Trump. <laughs> I still think he's a terrible president. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm intellectually honest enough to say that particular policy choice was a good one. Yep. Again, in a functioning, healthy, political society, it shouldn't be that hard to say that. No, it shouldn't. But, but it they is. cannot say a single thing, cannot deviate, do not go off the reservation and admit that anything that the evil Kaiser has done could possibly be good. I think that actually hurts them, and it should hurt them, yes, should. among the voters that they need to win a general election. We talked about this. This is a known quantity. When you're trying to sell somebody on something, you don't go in and bash the competition. Because all they're saying is, well, you're just saying that because you're trying to sell me something. The, the Democrats are trying to sell you on their policies and their thoughts. But they're bashing the competition instead of telling you why we're better. It's always about Donald Trump is awful. Everything Republicans want to do is awful. And maybe that's what politics has become. But the reality is, if you don't tell me why you're better, you haven't given me a reason to change. Yeah, and it's not just that, that in this specific context, okay, the competition in terms of this issue, you're bashing competition that's actually really good. So in other words, it's like going to the Audi dealer and having (laughs) them tell you, those guys at Porsche, yeah, they need to get some engineers. They don't know what they're doing over there, right? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, Wait a minute, I just test drove a 911S. It seemed pretty good. Yeah. Instead I mean, of saying, instead case. of saying, you know what, phenomenal vehicle. Yes. But perhaps ours suits your needs a little bit better for mm-hmm. these reasons. Yes. Why, why is that difficult to do? It's not. It's 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 impossible right now. It's harder to do because you actually have to be above the fray to a point, and you have to say you actually have to have something that is better. See, when I hear bashing, I assume you don't have anything better. When I see you going after Trump for impeachment on the Ukraine farce that you've got. I feel like you, and I said this previously, you don't have any candidates you think can beat him on fair ground. You think you have to diminish him for your guy to win because you don't think your guy or woman is appropriately, sufficiently better than what the competition is. So I'm looking at the own, you must be nervous. You must be nervous. Regardless of what you say, I don't believe your words. See, I'm, I'm, I'm very good about not watching or listening to what they say. I want to see what they do. Yeah. What you do matters a whole lot more than what you say. Now, some people say, oh, you say mean things. Great. But did I hurt you or I just say mean things? And, and that's the Democrats. They, they do 
what opposite of what they say they're going to do for you every time. I'm here to help you while I take money out of your pocket. I'm here to help you while I make us weaker. I'm here to help you because I think I know better than you how to do everything in your life than you with your money. I don't even think they're saying I'm here to help you anymore. I think no. what they're saying is uh, we've decided that you're incapable of helping yourself and Actually, you're a bigot and a racist. Yes, uh, we're even thinking that. otherwise. And so we're no longer going to actually pretend we're trying to help you. We're just going to make you do what we want. And, and ultimately, that might be better for you, but we don't really care anymore. <laughs> All we care about is that we need to be in control. So, you know, vote for me, racist. Yes, yes. Let me move on to um, Madam Speaker real quick. No, and the President of the United States is in complete denial about Russia's role. As I have said, in terms of this, this President, all roads lead to, lead to Putin. Uh, he has. Putin? He said uh, he's not going to accept the assessment uh, of our own intelligence agent that they are. Because they don't know they what they're doing. very much involved in uh, 2016 election, that 24 7 now they are still engaged. Uh, he's trying to blame it on Ukraine and this silliness uh, that has been debunked again and again. But he and Wait, his folks still keep uh, advancing it. Uh, everything that he has done, whether it's in Syria vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the Turks, whether it's been in Ukraine in terms of withholding assistance as they try to fight the Russians, uh, his denial about their role in our election then and now, all roads lead to and sometimes I wonder about uh, Mitch McConnell, too. What's he? <laughs> why is he uh, an accomplice uh, to all of that? He has resisted. He has resisted going my uh, efforts. In, in a manner uh, commensurate with the threat. Vis-a-vis -vis uh, commensurate. State, uh, uh, not uh, agencies, whichever gavel, they are. Gavel. The could uh, be the Secretary Hindenburg, of State or whatever. Uh, to protect. She's so stumbling here. Synapses not uh, firing. infrastructure uh, uh, of uh, elections. Uh, uh, he says you shouldn't even call that critical infrastructure. So okay, turn her off. She just stumbles over. This is somebody who's supposed to be able to speak oh, in public, Lord. and she is not good at it. I don't think no. she should ever speak in public. No. But, so, oh, you know what? You know who must get Mitch McConnell probably oh, gets yes. would get such a belly laugh <laughs> listening to that. You know, I don't I don't understand why Mitch won't do what I want him to do, which is to <laughs> completely allow me to rule vis-a-vis -vis the 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 gavel that I hold in the House of the Senate because I am entitled. Like, what are you saying? And by the way, did anyone ask her in that interview? I don't think so. Well. Um, I think she's now said, right, that she is going to actually pass them on. She didn't say the, when. The urgent right. impeachment, she said, right. I'm going to pass them on. The urgent, it's, it's the, the urgently necessary. We well, were passed a week before Christmas. Yeah, It's the 13th talk of about, January. I mean, talk about the exploding cigar. I mean, I, I read an article, I have no idea whether this is true, that she got the brilliant plan, brilliant, uh, to not actually hand the Senate the articles of impeachment by watching John Dean oh. on CNN. Oh my. <laughs> really? It, it, I guess it could only be worse if it was, I read something that Michael Avenetti had Ooh. written. Ooh. So Michael Cohen. Th th this is, this is the best. So now Mitch has been drawn into the, yeah. the conspiracy <laughs> and someone should sort of like hand her. It's like, Nancy, Nancy, remember, remember when, when Robert Mueller, um, Doddered out there and actually didn't know anything about his report except that they didn't find any yeah. collusion. People, but, people already know about that. Yeah. Trump, Trump's in denial about yes. Russia. No, right. he's not in denial. He knows they meddled. He's just saying I didn't do anything with them, and you didn't prove I did right. anything with them. And and they've been doing this for the last 
Mm, oh, millennia. Yeah, nineteen seventeen. I think it started. Oh my word! <laughs> Maybe before. It really is. I mean, it just really is amazing to listen to her and think. This is the most powerful woman, essentially, in the Democratic Party, other than probably Hillary Clinton. And that, what is she saying? She's incoherent. What, did you see this week that uh, AOC <laughs> is in a fight with the Democratic, some arm of the Democratic National Committee, but it's not the DNC? I guess they got to pay dues to an election fund. Right, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to pay her dues. She's she's being tasked with paying $250,000, and she doesn't think, I don't agree with everything you're doing, so I shouldn't have to pay. No, you know what? Actually, my favorite potential story about AOC is, did you read the fact because so many people have fled New York because of oh, the, she might the lose. people? Not that she might lose, is that her seat may be redistricted out of existence. Nice. <laughs> because they're going to lose. That would be nice. They're going to lose members of the House. Well, she'll have to move. Well, that's true. Well, they'll just start so running the for president. bartender in a new place. Um, yeah, she's not 35, can't be president, people. Well, that's unfair. That's unfair, yes, and yes, that's another should. thing that we need to abolish. Yes, yes. Uh, it applies to everybody, not just women. But So I, I'm just flabbergasted that this woman... Now, we've talked about her sometimes acting as a shadow secretary of state. She's met with the Syrian president. She's been over there. She's given her opinion. Remember... She's in the House of Representatives. She represents a small section of the San Francisco area. <laughs> she doesn't represent you, me, or nearly anybody else. Just a small section. So when I hear people say, you know, that, that in the midterm elections in the House, the country spoke. No, the country didn't speak. Small sections of the country spoke about their local affiliate. That, that's all they did. So we, we can make this into something we want, but people don't... By and large, don't go out and go, I'm going to go vote for the other party in every election because I'm going to do that. They either vote straight ticket I just, probably anyway. Every time that I watch her and I listen to her semi-speak, whatever it is that she's doing there, I, don't know. I, just, I think about all of the mockery right, from the usual suspects, the Jon Stewart's of the world and the media, not about, okay, every Republican president, sure. Tr Trump is a dunce. Mm -hmm. George W. Bush was a dunce. We heard Kerry say he doesn't know about his own But even, even think about this. Sarah Palin, dunce. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've heard Sarah Palin speak. Not Tina Fey. Yes. Sarah, Sarah the Palin. The person, not the comic. You could play me any number of comparative clips of Nancy Pelosi. Find me at her most lucid. I don't mm. think she fares. And so it's funny, this, this sort of sense of superiority. Again, this lady is running essentially... For all intents and purposes, you know, most of their party, mm -hmm. she's one of the most powerful people and has been for a very long time. And she is singularly, what's a good word? Gormless. How do you like that word, Chad? Gormless. Yes. You, you might have to define that one for me. I do not know what it's gormless basically is. basically stupid. Stupid. Okay. I know. I, but gormless is a nicer way of saying stupid. I just think it's a, it's a more fun word. Well, I'm going to start using gormless in a sentence repeatedly and see if right. anybody picks it's, up it's on it. It's tough to fit that in. Yeah, it doesn't roll just off Just use vis-a-vis. Vis-a-vis makes you sound better. Yes. If I use the uh, Latin, we're good. I, I, I just amazed, and, and not, it's not to beat up on her. Some people are just not good speakers. They just don't speak well in public. But this is the Speaker of the House. It's literally in the title, <laughs> Speaker. You would think that, you know, she could watch the King's but speech and maybe take some lessons. It's not even how she's talking. It's what she's saying. Well, it's she's just about Bernie. It's He's completely just inane. 
But that's what they Does do. She, they have handlers, right? They have all manner, all manner of energetic staffers and researchers. Do you think somebody could have said, Nancy, the, the Russia thing is over. Yes. Right? No, we're, we can't Get go back. It. That's why, remember, that's why we shifted onto Ukraine. Let's, yes. let's stay on stay task. <laughs> we, can't, we don't really want to talk about Putin anymore. Well, I think if they, not, if they talk about everything, then something will hold the t- country's attention. Something, if we, if we just make this ball larger and larger, then it'll hold. But Bernie's just as bad. Bernie's, did you oh. see Bernie's in the, he's got his people bashing Elizabeth Warren, well, uh-huh. which... I think he should be bashing Elizabeth Warren because that's who he's going against. But he said, I've never said anything bad about her. But you've got people out there saying bad things about her. Yeah. Well, uh, there, there's real panic among the establishment now because Bernie is not going away. And no. they're very concerned that this is a guy that he still has a chance to be their nominee. Yes. The, you know, Statler. <laughs> Statler, the crotchety <laughs> 70-year-old communist. Yeah. I mean, 70. Is he only 70? Uh, 78. I don't know how old he is. And we can, I mean, he could have already gone through multiple phases of, you know, yeah. cryogenic. Uh, well, I think they're still putting their hopes on Biden. And did you see last week just, Biden said coal miners could just learn how to code? Yeah, right. I, know. I mean, why not? Because that's what coal As mining Glenn, does. Glenn Reynolds, the, the tagline for Biden, Glenn Reynolds, who runs the Instapundit site, is the uh, Biden is super gaffomatic 76, <laughs> right? Just because every other utterance is just some non sequitur disaster. And, and the thing is, before, even as, as recently as four years ago, it could be sort of passed off as, oh, that's, you know, fun. but now it just seems embarrassing and kind of pathetic. Like he, yeah. it's clear that he <clears throat> doesn't even. He's his sell by date is passed. has passed. Well, I saw a cartoon this week, and he, he was giving a speech, and he turns back to his handlers behind the stage, and he goes, "Is this where we put the gaff, or do we wait for later?" And they go, "No, no, later, later." He goes, "Okay, great, good idea," and he walks back out and keeps talking. It's it's almost like it's it's planned, but it isn't. It, yeah. It's just him being him. Oh. And I don't know. You talked about Mayor Pete. He's considered the moderate, but I don't know why. Is well, it who, because everybody cons- else is? No, no. He's considerably cons- more kooky. He's considered the, considered, meaning we're pretending yes. that he's the moderate by the media he's, because he that's, talks nicer. That's how they want to. Oh, he absolutely does. I yeah. mean, in terms of verbal facility, in mm-hmm. terms of political gifts, he's by far the best guy they've got. Yeah, you know, he's 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 younger. Uh, he's a he's a much better extemporaneous speaker. So he's got all that kind of you know. Outside facial, uh, oh, he see, he seems like he seems yeah. like he's you know he just appears moderate even yeah. if, if you don't pay attention to his policies or his words. Um, but I don't know how much traction he get. And you've talked about this before. The big problem that he has is that any Democratic candidate who's going to win a national election has to turn out the African American vote, and they want nothing to do with him. No. So you're almost. Do you think the, they want nothing to do with him before the shooting in South Bend or before? He just doesn't, he doesn't move the needle. And I mean, there's some uncomfortable reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of culturally, sociologically why that is. I mean, one of the, one of the inherent tensions within the, uh, the big tent of progressivism is that by and large, the African American community still rejects homosexuality. That's just, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, and so you've got a guy and it's not homophobia, right? No. Uh, because no one would ever accuse the African American. I mean, that's the problem for them. Is where do you go with that? Yeah. You can you can accuse all the evil white people of that who believe in traditional marriage, yeah. but that is they can't change that. And so, 
what do you do when your most winsome candidate, who's fairly eloquent and presents mm-hmm. well, but he's openly gay? Yeah. And the African-American community ain't down with that in no. terms of their voting profile. Yeah, you're That's right. a problem. That's going to make it difficult. Is he a vice presidential candidate? I, I think so. I think that would be smart to do that. But then for who? Mm. Who are you going to? Te- who's he going to be tethered to? You're going to make him the attack dog for Bernie? No, I don't see that. Bernie will do his own attacking. Yeah, I don't know. They've got. I mean, they've got some problems. Um, can yeah. we? Can we touch on? Because a Go listener, ahead. Go ahead. a listener had uh, mentioned to me in <clears throat> in the parking lot of our church mm-hmm. of an issue that he wanted us to discuss, and it really it's about the FISA court, which we've talked about a lot. But it's a very specific issue, and I'm glad he mentioned it because I hadn't really focused on it because the whole thing is is a farce. But if you remember, uh, after the Horowitz report dropped, and we went through that in great detail about the media has buried it. Yes. Literally buried it. I haven't heard about it since. (laughs) No. The incredible abuses. Mm Mm-hmm. Altering, literally altering emails, hiding evidence, just atrocious, criminal, criminal behavior. And so the, the chief judge at the time, I think her name is Collier, issued this completely toothless, you know, <laughs> I, am, I am scandalized and outraged uh. to discover that the FBI is engaged in this sort of behavior, and I want a report. I want a book report. I want it written in cursive. I want it <laughs> by January 11th of all of the things that they're going to do to repent and fix this, right? So a guy, now there's a new chief judge. I forget what his name is. But he has now appointed the person who is tasked with Writing the ship mm-hmm. with undoing the wrongs. And the gentleman's name is David Chris with a K. Well, is what do you Pe- is that Peter's older brother? Uh, yeah. <laughs> take take a guess, Chad, at Mr. Chris's bio. Mm. Do you, what do you suspect in terms of his background to be suited for this important role of of reinstituting standards and integrity at the FBI? I have one of two guesses. He's either Hunter Biden's wingman. <laughs> Or uh, he's James Comey's son's uh, scout leader. You might as well. That's basically (laughs) correct. So this guy is a member of the Obama DOJ who has been repeatedly on the record in the run-up to the Mueller reveal. And then even in the aftermath of the IG report, uh, absolutely defending all of the FBI's actions. Hmm. He's he's a frequent guest on MSNBC. Hmm. Uh, he made the claim, in particular, when the Nunes memo dropped. Remember the Nunes oh, memo, yes. which has been entirely vindicated when Devin Nunes said the FISA process was shambolic and the FBI did not verify things, relied exclusively. But Adam Schiff said that was a lie. Right, he did. He did. <laughs> Pinocchio said that was a lie. And and so Nunes has been vindicated, and this uh, this Chris gentleman, mm-hmm. was out there on the public airwaves and writing saying Nunes is a disgrace. Nunes should be removed from his position. Uh, Interesting. Everything that Nunes said was a lie. So this guy is a lock, stock, and barrel defender nice. of everything. that He also, when the Horowitz report dropped, his main takeaway was the FBI has been vindicated. He and Comey. Yes, he and Comey. <laughs> so now th- here, again, in the scheme of things... Is this surprising? Of course not. No. Because my view of this now is, and we've talked about this before, remember, the FISA court reauthorized uh, the page spying four times. Actually, reauthorized it three times. There were four total applications. Right. And Comey signed off on three of them. 
And I had mentioned, and others have pointed this out, is that the court, even setting aside the fact that the FBI hid things from the court, lied about things to the court, the idea of who is the reliable source for this information, the fundamental question that any judge would ask, and we've talked about this, they didn't provide one because Steele, who's now been, I mean, we knew from the beginning is a joke, <laughs> uh, he's not the source, right. right? Steele is relying on unnamed informants. We don't know who they are. And it, the first thing that any judge, particularly a judge in a secret court where there is no opposition and the government is saying, we want the right to spy on American citizens. We are claiming are agents of a foreign power. Who are the people that are providing this information? They were never told that a single time and they didn't care. So I believe that the rot, uh, the, the FISA court is just as complicit in this. And this appointment of this guy Okay, even if, even if you want to make the argument the same way they somehow made the argument that Mueller's team of Democratic, you know, lobbyists and headhunters, uh, dream team of mm -hmm. basically anti-Trump, <laughs> right? An yes. The anti-Trump crew. Yes. If you want to make the argument, oh, well, you know, they can set that aside. Doesn't matter. They've exclusively donated Democrats. Doesn't matter that, you know, the chief, the, the lead investigator was at Hillary's room <laughs> during the, right? Doesn't matter because they're professionals. Okay, sure. Nobody believes that. But. The more important point is, but what about the appearance of this? Yes. Why would you, as a court that is now under fire for clearly issuing four FISA warrants to spy on an American citizen who's never been charged, right, based on lies, based on 17 serious breaches of protocol and regulations, why would you pick, even if you think, I know, I know David Chris, he's a good man, <laughs> Given his background, he is on the record publicly as already having prejudged that the FBI did nothing wrong. This is the person <clears throat> that you're going to choose to implement mm -hmm. the ameliorative procedures. Sure. It's on its face insulting. Mm -hmm. And in my view, what it demonstrates is this court doesn't care a single bit about the fact that the FBI has abused this process. And I will say the other conclusion that now has to be reached, and I say this with no great pleasure, because we need the FISA courts to do the things that are necessary, what it's supposed to do, which is to investigate, right, to spy on foreign enemies, that court has to be abolished. If they're going to tolerate this level of abuse, okay, remember, there are no safeguards here. The safeguards are the integrity and the honesty of the people that are before that court. The officers of the court, which are the lawyers, the mm -hmm. government uh, investigators, and given what Horowitz has unearthed, and given the court's behavior, and their now clear apathy, if not sheer disregard for this, that court, which allows, remember, hands out 99.8% of the time to the government the ability to spy, surveil American citizens. Since we can't trust them with that power, clearly, this has to be scrapped, and the government will now need to go to an Article Three court and do what everyone else needs to do and prove that you need a search warrant. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, I, I would contend that when they, uh, when they renewed the the warrants three more times and still didn't ask for the primary source, they already showed they didn't care. They didn't care about the truth. They cared about doing what they wanted to do. And I'm the FISA court, as I understood it was initially put together, was for foreign yes. citizens. 
how can it be constitutional to survey or surveil American citizens on U.S. soil without proving search warrant capabilities of Article 3? How is that possible? My question is, well, it's possible because you were lied to in the application. No, no, no. From the beginning of time, if you, if you want to surveil a part, an American citizen in the United States, you need to have a search warrant. Well, no. You need to go for a judge. And, and but that's the point. Because the biggest lie, no, the biggest lie was that he's he's an agent of a foreign power. He's an, American, an American citizen, citizen who's though. a spy. Well, but that's, that's why we can't permit this. Here's the other question. I can tell you right now. I'm in front of federal judges all the time mm-hmm. in just, you know, these are not, in far less momentous sure. occasions, right? Sure. If a federal judge in a case that I was involved in found out that the lawyers had withheld material evidence in filings, had altered, right, f- fabricated evidence, You'd be lucky to still have your law license. There would be a sanctions hearing. As there should be. There would be reports to disciplinary boards, Mm -hmm. as there should be. Mm -hmm. And again, we're talking about an Article Three court on, you know, civil lawsuits relating to money. Mm -hmm. This court is without any oversight. They are the law unto themselves. When those judges do that, it's essentially unreviewable. That court has now been told by the inspector general that for years the FBI and the people appearing before it were lying, manipulating, withholding evidence, and not just in any case, in a case where they were requesting surveillance of an American citizen who, for the purpose of further investigating the now sitting president of the United States. And if that doesn't rouse you off your arse to... (laughs) <laughs> have heads rolling. Yes. I want every person who ever signed a single document in this courtroom on Monday morning for a contempt hearing. Yep. Then the message you're sending is we're complicit, we don't care, and we want this whitewashed. And that's exactly what this is. So, how is this? And I know the rules probably are not the same, but if you obtain a warrant in a, any other case in the United States and it's found that you did it incorrectly, or you lied. It's a crime. It's a crime, but you can't use anything you got. Well, of course, they didn't get anything. But but see, but we've there've been people prosecuted. There have been people prosecuted for this. Whether you like the person, whether you like Paul Manafort or not, he's he's been leveraged to get to a prosecution. How can you use information you obtained, whether it's a Mueller report or the impeachment, anything, if you're using it? When you lie, it's it's like it's not okay for well, the prosecution to lie just to get to the end result. You're correct, but this also gets to the currently unresolved issue that Durham spoke up on, which is their slender thread that they're hanging on to that the media emphasizes the only thing in the report was that Horowitz basically said there was enough there for a proper predicate for the whole thing. Now, remember, mm. the incredibly low bar there, which is essentially... Well, there's somebody that said something, and so, and but Durham took the unprecedented step for a guy that is completely run silent, run deep, to to make that public statement, which was, um, we don't agree even with that conclusion, right. and we're still investigating. So to your point, if the entire, and I I believe this is absolutely true, the entire investigation 
was not properly predicated. Right. There was nothing. This was a frame-up. This was a farce. This was a fantasy novel from the beginning. And everyone that was involved, from the CIA to the FBI to the DOJ, were basically ignoring the law, ignoring their obligations. Essentially, we got to get this guy, and we're going to do whatever it takes. So how does this... <laughs> and, and I know this this thing can ruin people's lives, but what precedent are you setting when, what's the next time the, the Democrats say, I don't want this person to be president. I'm going to make it up. Because there seem to be no consequences for anyone. I think the only is- consequences to be on the, the Trump's people, nothing on the people who actually perpetrated this crime to this day. Comey skates. McCabe's maybe yeah. going to get charged, maybe. But Brennan. Absolutely. All these people clapper. should be clapper. These people need to be held accountable. And I don't care what the Hillary Clinton report came back and there wasn't anything there. Because you destroyed all the evidence. Yeah. I want to point that out. People going, see, there's nothing there. There was nothing there. Vanity Fair went way out. Nothing there. You destroyed anything of value that could have been convicting of you. So I'm sure there was nothing there because there's nothing left. Well, I think it was Rod Dreher who wrote recently. He has a blog. He's uh, he's a very interesting guy. We've talked about him, the, yep. the Benedict Option, uh, very good writer. Uh, and I think he's the one that said this, or maybe he was quoting somebody else in a blog post, but he said that the the pollsters and sort of the media analysts have, have no clue about the the sort of silent rage that is building in this country. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that, and it is largely about this kind of stuff, which is... You can only watch as, as people continue to abuse their power mm-hmm. and violate the law. Now, of course, we say, yeah, and look at you, look at Donald Trump. But here's the thing. We have the ability, first of all, Donald Trump has not been charged with committing a crime. No. And Donald Trump can be removed in mm-hmm. the next election. And, and if the rage of the resistance is so great, he's going to be swept aside sure. into the dustbin of bad orange men history, right? <laughs> but the bigger problem is when you have these sorts of people that are ensconced at the top of our government, at the highest levels of the most powerful agencies in the world, who we now know, okay, we know, this isn't even speculation. This isn't unnamed sources have told the New York Times. This is Inspector General reports documenting these things. These are admissions under oath by people like McCabe who said, yeah, I was the leaker. I lied to the FBI. So what? And there's only so long that a population is going to watch this go on as the more equal pigs evade consequences for this. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it cannot, the center cannot hold, basically. No. So I don't know how this gets expressed, but that's the idea that, yes, people are very, very angry. And then, to add insult to injury, you have the media lying to you, lying to your face. We think you're stupid, (laughs) right? Trust us. Nancy Pelosi, I think you're stupid. I still want to talk about Putin. Yes. Right? I I think that you're so dumb, you didn't actually pay attention to what Mueller said. There's Uh nothing there. Uh It all goes back to Putin, you dumb lemming. Yeah. Right? This is the approach. Not Don Lemon. Yes, that's Don right. Not, well, it actually goes back to Don Lemon as well. Um, I, I do think that there is an undercurrent of that going on right now, is that people who are paying attention to this are outraged mm-hmm. that there has been not a single consequence. Now, maybe Durham is the guy maybe. that can do this. Maybe. I, given the track, Chris isn't. I, this has nothing to do with him, but just given how this has unfolded so far, the sort of the, you know, the swamp protects its own, I have my doubts. But he's kind of the last chance here for some 
some justice, some level of, you don't get to do that. Because if Chad or Tony had done these things, we don't see our family anymore. No. If Michael Flynn, who's on the wrong team, doesn't even come close to doing these things, he's bankrupted and forced into a guilty plea, right? And we have midnight raids on people that maybe they're slimy actors or whatever. All of these abuses, all of it, and it just goes on with impunity because all of these people have gotten to the place. James Comey is a perfect example. They understand. Hillary Clinton, I can do whatever I want. Nothing's going to happen to me. And that's sad. Well, it's more than sad. It's enraging. It's enraging, but it's sad that that we've come to a point where this is possible, where if you're on one side, you're guilty just by association. If you're on the other side, you could do whatever you want, and it doesn't matter. It matters not as long as you're trying to get after the bad guy. You know, this is how, isn't this how Catherine Kane fell from power? Good point. You know, she skirted the rules because she thought it was, this is a former attorney general of Pennsylvania, skirted the rules because she thought, well, you know, I'm just trying to do the right thing. But you can't do that. That makes you a criminal by doing the wrong thing. And she got, she didn't get jail time, did she? I don't think so. She got probation. Yeah. She had to resign from office. And it's just, things like this, they, they do enrage me because I don't feel like we're on equal playing ground. We're, we're, we're treated as though you don't matter your basket of deplorables. And it doesn't matter what you think because we don't care what you think. You should only matter what we think. And we're right. Even when we're wrong, we're right because we thought it. And I mean, perfect, perfect, just me. small example. The lawyer who falsified evidence yeah. still to there. claim he's still working. Yes. He made it up. He changed he, the he record. He changed an email to mean the opposite so they could continue spying on Carter Page. Literally. Mm-hmm. He's still working. How is that possible? Maybe he's received employee of the month. I don't know. How is that possible? It's, it's incredible. And you have people, you know, go back to, go back to Lois Lerner. No. Right? Yeah. I'm I'm heading up the division of the IRS that has admitted we're basically treating conservative nonprofits differently. We're targeting them. Mm-hmm. We're putting them under a microscope and a proctoscope. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm going to retire now and get my full pension. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. This continues to go on. They don't get prosecuted. That bothers me. That bothers me immensely. Andrew McCabe. He's still out there. There's a threat. General of Flynn is indicted. Andrew McCabe is admitted on the record. I lied to my employees at the time. Yeah, yes. I was the leaker. So what? Yes. Exactly. So what? Speaking of so what, Antonio Brown today. I just got to say this. I didn't even see anything about him. Today. Oh, <laughs> I missed it. He's another. It's another Antonio Brown moment. Was well, this like a social media moment? Uh, sort of. Okay. So he is cussing out his baby mama. Live streaming it while the police are trying to calm the situation down today. Okay. This is the guy that says, I want to get back nah, in. Football. I think you know what? I think he's finally realized I'm not getting back in. Why would you ever take this guy? It's no, he's done. He he basically has done a Kaepernick. So wow. in his own special way. This is for yeah. him. It's but he not, actually had the talent. Oh, he absolutely. Had, he had actual he, talent. He he could have gone down, literally. He could have gone down probably arguably behind Jerry Rice as the way that his career was trending, right. the numbers he had already put up. He had a possibility of best Jerry Rice, but not Yeah, now. I don't think in perception he would have. No, but he could have no. made a very convincing case if he had played for, let's say, another five years mm-hmm. as the second best receiver who ever played. Yes. Literally. I agree. And now he's never... I. He's never he's never getting back into it. You should never say never in the NFL. Yes, it's because there's, there's infinite forgiveness for talent. But I will tell you that 
he seems so unhinged that I think he's almost to the point where he's radioactive. I, I just don't know. And here's the problem. There's no organization that's going to touch him in the short term. No. And his shelf life, like any of these guys. Mm-hmm. So if he's out of the sport for a year or two years, he's done. It's hard to come back, and I just don't see anything going on. Your predictions for the AFC and NFC Championship. Were you surprised by anything over the weekend? Um, well, let's see. I pleasantly I, we didn't on our show, but I was talking. I mean, my buddy. There's a buddy at work and I that talk about this. So I was. I did. I actually was tempted. I did not pick the Titans to beat the Ravens, but I did say that I thought it was going to be a very close game. That game only surprised me to the extent that the Titans dominated them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not surprised at all that the the Texans who couldn't have been in a better position, wound up giving up 41 consecutive points. I had predicted the Chiefs would crush them. And in mm-hmm. fact, they spotted him 24 points and then proceeded to crush them. <laughs> and, and I don't know how Bill O'Brien... Still has a job? Uh, still has a job. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because, again, people say, well, he's gotten his team. They've won the AFC South, which is essentially, yeah. uh, you know, you, you've won, I don't know, like the, the JV division for the last... Yes. But some of the stuff that they have con- continually done in these playoff games is just unbelievable. Um, just look, here's the thing about it this way at the end of the, well, I don't know. It was basically the end of the first quarter. They were winning that game 24 to zero. And that's after Bill O'Brien wrapped his hands around his throat and was too scared to go for fourth and one (laughs) on the 13 yard line, which was a step on your neck part of, in fact, I I promise you, I said this and I don't, I didn't care who won that game. Mm -hmm. When he went for the field goal there, instead of going for the touchdown, I said, he will be punished mercilessly by the football gods for doing that. And he he deserved it. He was, but some, then for, for those of you that don't care, didn't watch the game. The Chiefs then scored almost immediately, so it was 24-7. to And then Bill O'Brien decided to be a riverboat gambler. And when he doesn't go for it on fourth and one from the opponent's 13 while up 21 nothing, he decides, we're going to fake punt on fourth and four from our own 30-yard line. That was a stupid play. So wow. how the juxtaposition of those two decisions <laughs> yeah. is just mind-boggling. I mean, they've got – here's the thing. They have a very talented roster mm-hmm. – and they've underachieved for mm-hmm. the talent that they have on that team. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's... And plus, Bill O'Brien had arrogated to himself, he's everything. He's the GM, he's the coach. That never works. No, no. Uh, hopefully, at a minimum, what they're going to say is, Bill, you're done playing GM. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back to coaching, and we need to not see another flame out like this. Because think of this, Chad. All their team... The Chiefs do not have a championship defense. No. They have... They're better than they were last year, They're better. That doesn't take much. But they, of course, have a, an insanely flammable, uh, possibly most, most potent offense in history. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Any team that is a legitimate playoff team, if you're up 24 to 0, all you need to do, if you have two more touchdown drives in that game, you force the other team to score 40 points to mm-hmm. win. Now, of course, Chiefs scored 51. <laughs> but... There is no way that you should have a collapse. Uh, where Houston Oilers did it against the Bills. Exactly. One other time. <laughs> Shouldn't happen, but Well, that does. was a 35-point comeback. It was right? amazing, yeah. That was so a great game. So that game didn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, I was not surprised. I thought the Seahawks nine, um, the Seahawks um, oh, Packers. Uh, Packers game was going to be close. I did think the Packers were going to win because it was at Lambeau. Yeah. So I wasn't really overly <laughs> surprised by it. I was not surprised... I was surprised in the sense that I picked the Ravens to win, but I was not surprised that ultimately they lost that game. It wasn't stunning so, to me. Does, does talk, 49ers, uh, Vikings, were you surprised by that? No, not at all. I, I think I was surprised the Vikings were there. 
personally. I, I, I did not think they would beat the, the Saints the I don't week. think so either. I, I actually, don't even think the Vikings, regardless of what they said, thought they were going to beat the Saints. I think arguably, other than, you know, people would say the Ravens because they were 14-2 and two and now they're out. But I actually think the Saints, in terms of the team that should be most disappointed by what happened, <laughs> it should be the Saints. There's yeah. a lot of people, and I wouldn't have disagreed, that would have said they're, a, they're, the, they're the primary contender to win the Super Bowl. So let's talk about the Titans for a second. Why are they not, why were they not 16-0? and Because I got to tell you, well, first of Tannehill all, Tannehill throws for less than 100 yards, yeah, but, two games in a row, and they win but, big. But, but Tannehill wasn't their quarterback for the first six games of the season. Okay, M- Mariota was. But and they Derek were two and Henry four. seems like he cannot be stopped. <laughs> well, where was he the rest of the year? Well, okay, when you say where was he the rest of the year, he did lead the NFL in rushing. I understand so that. So it was basically, look, he was averaging 8.6 yards per, against the Ravens. 8.6 yeah. yards a carry. That's unheard of. For running back well, in a playoff game. First of all, Tannehill has been a, a, a revelation in some ways at quarterback. He's good. He's he's he he's not for just seventy eight yards. Against it doesn't Patriots. matter. I know he, just, they, it's because they're not asking believe. him to throw. But if you looked at actually his statistics when mm-hmm. he played, mm-hmm. he was one of the top seven or eight quarterbacks in the league. Well, he got to, he got a defense and a running game, and that makes any quarterback. Much more they have a very good line, and yeah, Derrick Henry. I mean, that man is a physical freak. He is. He is okay. He is six four, two hundred and forty eight pounds, and he runs a four four. He looks like forty. He looks like a, a tight end, or not tight end. Uh, yeah, tight end running down the field at you, and he's well, got did the you speed. See, did you see? And this is a guy who's, I mean, who's known from the Legion of Boom, Earl Thomas, yeah. who, by the way, was talking smack yes. about the previous week that nobody wanted to tackle. Yes. Well. When when Henry had that breakaway sixty yards, he literally pushed him aside like a pygmy. Like <laughs> Earl Thomas, it like couldn't even touch him. It was awesome. It was. I was happy the Patriots out. I'm happy the Ravens are out. I, I don't think, really care who wins look, from this point. I actually would like to see the Chiefs win, and I think they're going to win because I don't think anyone ultimately can stop that offense. But I do think the Titans have a puncher's chance. I don't think the Titans are going <laughs> to win that game. But I will say this. If the Chiefs allow the Titans to get ahead of them the way that they allowed the Texans, the Titans are going to win that game. because Titans, They slow it down. Because I could see Derrick Henry running for over 200 yards against the Chiefs. Yes. That's, that's the scary thing about the Titans is you're going to get a steady diet of the Hulk, <laughs> and he's going to run it 35 times. Yes. And you know what? Unless you see, there's no defenses left that are – now, no. the 49ers <clears throat> would be an interesting matchup because their defense is the real deal. I – my the Steelers prediction. almost beat the 49ers. I, I'm not convinced that their defense is all that. Uh, their, I think they've gotten better. Good. Their defense is good. Their defensive line is very, very I'll good. give you that. Um, uh, my prediction for the Chiefs-Titans game is that that's going to be actually a, a tight and taut game for a while. Mm-hmm. I just think that the only way they the Titans win is if they literally keep Mahomes off. They have to have like a three-to-one time of possession. Edge. They could. They could. <laughs> That's what um, I'm saying. But Tannehill's going to have to make some plays. Yeah. Um, I do think Andy Reid is a good enough strategist, even though their defense, that they're going to sell out completely to basically say, look, we can put our, we're going to put our whole team in the box. Yeah. And let you just throw. Now, Tannehill can throw, though. He can throw. He, he's had some throws. He is not a clipboard carrier. No, he can actually throw the ball down the field. And it, if, you let, if you're putting eight in the box, that means you got somebody open down the and field. And you know what? They've got some talent at wide receiver. That Another guy who's a revelation is that rookie A.J. Brown. Have you seen that guy? I know. He is, now, the reason, if you, you probably know this, 
Remember the famous shirtless uh, Derek Metcalf mm -hmm. photo? Because that yes. guy is, you know, again, he's another he's like one percent body fat. <laughs> well, he played with AJ Thomas. Or, yeah, AJ they Brown. were AJ Brown. They were teammates. Mm -hmm. AJ Brown also looks like a superhero. Mm -hmm. When you he's six three two twenty two twenty five. These are huge guys. Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I, I'm I'm gonna pick the Titans. I, I think, I think the Chiefs defense I think is Mahomes, that bad. I think Mahomes. Mahomes if he's is on the field, good. but you keep Mahomes yeah. off the field, you can't score. Well, the other thing is that the Chiefs have so it's again we said this earlier about the Chiefs, they basically just put a bunch of freak athletes on the field, and you can't cover them all. Right, Tyree Kill, Travis right. Kelsey is a monster. He did get hurt a little bit yesterday. He did. So who knows? But they just have too many Hardeman. They got Robinson. I know. And once they got over their drops yesterday. It becomes basically a – it's sort of like just athletically, mm -hmm. you can't match up with us. Agreed. And our quarterback can throw the ball anywhere on the field at any time. And or run it himself. Yes. Yeah, so over – you maybe stop them for a quarter. Sooner or later, mm -hmm. they march down the field. If the Titans are going to win, they are going to have to score – they're going to have to score at least 28 points. I think they can, and I think they're not going to do what the Texans did, which was scored all in the first quarter – and then try to hang around. They scored too quickly, and they didn't take time off the clock. Yeah. Gave the Chiefs and you know what? The Titans time. do have a very good secondary, but the thing is, it doesn't really matter with the Chiefs because no. it, I don't care how good your secondary is, you can't cover all those guys. And because Mahomes is so good on broken plays outside the pocket, that's where it all. That's where they kill you. Yeah. You get a good rush, he evades, and now five seconds later, because you can't keep coverage that long, oh, that guy's open across the field 40 yards away. I'll just sidearm it over there. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, so I'm picking the Chiefs to make it to the Super Bowl, and I'm picking the Niners. I'm picking the Niners and the Titans. Yeah. And I think if it gets to that, I think the Titans beat the Niners. Well, and you, if that happens, consider this. That will arguably be the greatest playoff run in NFL history. They will have beaten the Belichick Patriots, mm -hmm. the 14-2 and two Ravens, mm -hmm. the incendiary Chiefs with uh, who, the guy who I still consider is the best quarterback in the league, and then the Niners who were, what, 13-3? and three? I think so, 13-3 or 14. I think yeah. 13-3. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a gauntlet like that, that a team that was 9-7. Yeah. and seven, I know, I know. And that's what I'm saying. How were they not... 15 and 1 or 14 and 2. I mean, how did the Texans win the division over the Titans? Yeah. I, I just don't well, understand. Well, again, because they were 2 and 4 at the beginning of the year because Mariota was their quarterback. Mm -hmm. They're not the same team. Mm -hmm. Tannehill has completely changed that team. Um, you hey, know, last game of the season, Steelers beat the Ravens and the Texans yeah. beat the, the uh, or Titans. Or the Titans don't even get in. The Steelers are in and the Titans yeah. aren't. I mean, it's that it was that close. I don't understand how it was that close. What was what was the whole did they just say, "Hey, now we're going to play." We're in. We're going to play. I mean, anything that's, can happen. You know, place, that's football. Man. That's football. You, your team crazy. gets on a roll. They've, they, you know, I think they've. Vrabel's a good coach. They know. They know their identity. Yeah. They don't. They don't go away from it. No. I don't. Again, when you think about that sort of gauntlet, they would have to run. I just don't think they can do it. I don't think it's really hard. any team could do it's it. It's hard. It's really, really hard to get through that. I think the Patriots are a little less than they were last year. I think Brady. I actually would like the Titans' chances. Uh, to me. The the Chiefs stumbling block. The Chiefs are the problem. I actually think the Titans have a much better chance of beating whoever they would play in the, from the NFC than the Chiefs. Okay. The Chiefs are sort of Mahomes is kind of the riddle you can't solve. I would agree with that, except his coach is Andy Reid, who is a very good coach, but he seems to get in his own head sometimes. Yeah, but I, I don't, don't know. I don't get that. 
I don't know. There's also an interesting article. Could have beat the that. Patriots last year. They had every right to yeah, beat but, the Patriots. Yeah, but it wasn't like Andy Reid blew the game or anything. No, it's just the coaching decisions. I don't know. Yeah, I look, Andy Reid's a very, very good coach. Um, and in fact, there's an interesting article in The Ringer, which is Bill Simmons' website, where the, the premise is, you know, Andy Reid has this reputation of clock management, and it's kind of a deep dive into he's that's probably not exactly correct that this is a smart guy the decisions that have been cast as you don't know what you're doing they actually many of them made sense i would like to see him win because i actually think he's a really good guy he's a good guy yeah. yeah he's a good guy and look mahomes is electrifying yes, uh, he, he is, is he is an amazing player i think he would make a very good super bowl matchup with whomever I don't really want to see the Packers there again. I, I'm tired of it. I don't Rogers. think the Packers are good enough to beat the Niners. Now, oh, yeah. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of the uh, – didn't the Niners beat them 38-7 to seven or something? Like that, week 14, I think it'll be a much closer something. game. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. He may be not yeah. peak Aaron Rodgers, but yeah. 90% Aaron Rodgers is still better than most. He is. He's 36. I don't he made some ridiculous that. throws. You know, the Seahawks could have won that game, but they couldn't get off the field on third down. I know. Rodgers made, and particularly in the last drive, two ridiculous throws, particularly the one to um, – Who's a, who's his go-to oh, guy? Geez. I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking uh, as well. Adam. I don't know the guy that had 160 receiving yeah. yards. Yeah. Uh, who's very very good, but that throw because he had no angle, so he literally had to drop it 30 yards directly over the head of the line. That was incredible. Well, the same guy threw it over in the left side, and the guy just sprints across the right side, which is unheard of. You don't usually cut across field like that. And the two defenders who were behind him couldn't get an angle and didn't yeah. seem to be wanting to drive the tackle. I mean, the one way, the one reason you might say, well, the Packers I like is because you certainly have to like Rodgers v. Garoppolo, even though it's ridiculous. They don't play each other. It's not one-on-one. Right, -on -one. right. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think Garoppolo is bad. I think he's no. played well this year. But yeah. this is a big stage. We'll see. I I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers under center, but I think overall the 49ers are just a better team. It's a home game. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. All right, thank you for joining us. Anything else you want to add? That Tony? is it. All right, thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.